I'm Sarah Milliken. Thank you very much for listening to The Guardian's podcast from the Edinburgh Festival 2009. I've literally just stepped off the stage where I was interviewed by Miles Jupp and we're now out the back in a slightly dodgy area of the Gilded Balloon. I hope nobody spots us because it'll be embarrassing. Uh, the show today was very fun. I laughed a lot. Everybody was hilarious, but Miles was horrible to me, so I was horrible to him back. So it's just normality, really. Uh, it's a cracker today. The stand-up from Jarlath Regan and Nick Doody, a sketch from William Andrews and chats with Ashley Hames, Russell Kane and me. It all started with Miles telling the audience about an award-winning joke. So, one of the first awards of the summer has been handed out, the best joke of the fringe, according to Dave TV, and it went to Dan Antopolsky for this joke he told on the podcast a few days ago. Anyway, hedgehogs, why can't they just share the hedge? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the best reaction uh, to that joke came from our co-producer Anna's sister, who said, Is that the reason why they're called hedgehogs? The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Welcome to the nightclub of the Gilded Balloon, to The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. (laughs) My first guest today is having a wonderful run, gathering five-star reviews in places like The Daily Mirror. Please welcome Sarah Millican. (laughs) Sarah, good afternoon, how are you? I'm I'm all right, actually, how are you? Yeah, not at all bad, not at all bad, yeah. I'm over. Any, any problems I had when you last appeared, when you got me in a bit of a fluster? Um, <laughs> uh, you've got more extra shows added, have you? Yes, uh, one extra show added. I did one on Saturday and I've got one this Sunday. Uh, what, uh, the 30th? Uh, yes, uh, 10.20 at the Pleasant Swan. Hooray! You've chatted to some uh, pretty amazing people on our behalf. Uh, the Chippendales, you, you spoke to them. Uh, Lionel Blair, Peter Duncan. Uh, who have you been chatting to this week? Uh, this week I chatted to uh, Marcus Brigstock. How, uh, how did you get on with Marcus? It was lovely. He's, really, he's a sweetheart. He's really nice. Um, I first of all started asking him uh, about whether he'd had a cry yet during the festival, because we all get really tired and cranky, and I wondered if he'd had a cry yet. Oh, yeah, you know, I cried... Um, I, well, I cried when I said goodbye to the family at the station. I got on the train and I was just, like, snot and tears everywhere just streaming off me. And then the girl in the seat in front sat up and went, oh, hello, Marcus, I haven't seen you since Bristol. And I was like, yeah, just give us a minute. <laughs> I was a bit so... Uh, but, no, I haven't cried up here. I had to, um, have you Have you had a cry? Yeah, um, but me and my friend bought uh, comedy moustaches to get over the, the sort of flat yeah, yeah. days, and it really yeah. works. Oh, yeah, comedy no, moustaches, or like a little stupid dance, things like that, just <laughs> to cheer each other up. But I, I feel all right, I think I'm doing okay at the moment. Yeah. But you're doing three shows, I'm only doing one. So, yeah. so uh, what times are your shows? Are they evenly sort of distributed? Have you got gaps yeah. in between? No, it's, it, I get up at about uh, 8, 8.30, read the papers for three hours, then we do the early edition at half past 12, which is an hour of looking at the papers and making funny out of them which is sort of how I would choose to start my day anyway, to be honest. And then a play at four o'clock with Lionel. Well, I say a play with Lionel Blair. We're all in a play. Lionel's doing a panto on the same (laughs) stage as us at the same time. But, you know, having a good time. That's at four. And then I have a couple of hours uh, uh, to meditate, sleep and have a bath. And then I go and do my show at 8.40. So it's quite evenly spread. It means means you don't have many gaps for to see shows and things. But I suppose, you know, you said that you get up and you read, you would read the papers and make funny out of them even if you weren't in a show. Would you just do that in the house? <laughs> I'm a bit like that, to be honest. I do, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I would, yeah. No, that is how I would choose to start my day. Just go, just tutting and laughing at the papers. Oh, dear, look at this. Who's written this? Oh, Carol Malone. <laughs> 
if you don't drink, you don't do drugs. What do you, have you got advice? Um, uh, uh, kinky sex, really, but I can't really. It's hard to talk about that at length on the. Yeah, no, uh, no. I suppose to be honest, the only thing I worry about, the only thing that I think I should probably do less of, is work, actually. But then I do just take big chunks of time off. Like last summer, um, we got into our solar-powered motorhome and drove around France for seven weeks, just me and my wife and the kids, and it was glorious. You know, not that I want everyone to start doing it, but I can really recommend solar-powered motor. Homing. Uh, does it have to be sunny where you are? Or can you stockpile it from somewhere else? No, you can stockpile it. Yeah, and every time you move the the van, that charges the battery as well. Wow. But um, yeah, it was Did very exciting. Worry that it would just sort of conk out in the middle of nowhere. When you oh no, 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 it runs when you're driving it. It runs on diesel. But I mean, the actual oh, the living. It's not, it's not solar powered. Then it's no, no, diesel no. powered. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. That You've found friendly. the flaw. No, it is. It is, it is. Um, because the actual living arrangements are all solar powered you know so so it's yeah because I've just realised that I genuinely thought that it ran on the sun oh I see no you can't do that yet I'm looking forward to that I would love to have a whole an entirely solar powered vehicle I, d- I think I probably oversold it screen credentials that's what we do a bit excited because yeah, yeah. diesel's expensive you know yeah, if very. I could just leave it outside for a couple of hours and then drive to you know yeah. Cardiff and back that would be champion yeah. but you can put biodiesel in it and that's cheaper and, mm. and greener mm. so, you know, but not the sun as long as you eat a massive amount of chips, it's easy. <laughs> he is a very highly respected broadcaster. Yes. Uh, did you subject him to one of your daft... Um... It's not daft, it's insightful. I ask some questions uh, and he has to answer as many as he can over the course of a minute. It's that, Milliken's Minute. That is, is, that, is that when people are at their most insightful, when they're being hurried for answers constantly? by? Well, yeah, because uh, it's off the top of the head, so, yeah. Well, that's when people come out with reactionary opinions, isn't it? Well, let's see what he said. Uh, what newspaper do you read? Uh, all of them. <laughs> that sounds like you just don't know any newspapers, doesn't it? <laughs> What's your favourite pudding? Uh, oh, sticky toffee. Eastenders or Coronation Street? Uh, neither. Are you old enough to remember Dallas and Dynasty? Yes, I am. I'm 36. Excellent. Uh, early morning or late night? Early morning. Uh, how long does it take you to wax that's left over from the chip and deals? <laughs> uh, a, 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 a negative amount of time. <laughs> if your house was on fire, what would you leave behind? Um, uh, I've got two children. This is a very hard choice. Um, uh, the, everything. I'd just get out. <laughs> <laughs> leave your children behind. Uh, uh, what do you read on the toilet? Uh, the newspapers. or Yeah, no, the papers. Yeah. Uh, what did you have for your breakfast today? Oh, uh, Dorset cereals, muesli, obviously. Oh. What's your favourite vitamin? C. Uh, what is your um, non-alcoholic beverage of choice? Uh, a whole earth ginger beer, sugar-free, magnificent. And what's your favourite film? Uh, Doctor Strange Love. Uh, well, Sarah, by my maths, you got to twelve. Uh, let's see what that means. Anna, bring on the leaderboard. Nice bikini, I believe it's called a cheese cutter. Now, where does that? Um... Right, so that puts him. That puts him third. Yes. Uh, on the lead. he's toppled, toppled Lionel, hasn't he? So uh, for the, the satirical comedian, uh, just two years later, he's finally toppled Blair. Uh, he'll be pleased with that. Uh, wordplay, I thank you. Um, so Peter Duncan, uh, Peter Duncan's leading the field thus yes. far. 
Uh, he, he got, what did he get, Duncan? Uh, 14, and Marcus got 12. And he, but he, he did, he was con- quite concerned because he thought he should have got more, so we just, we kept recording. Who, Peter Duncan? <laughs> no, for Marcus Brigstock, because he only got 12, and he was, because I told him that the Chippendales got 13 and he really wanted to beat them, <laughs> understandably. So uh, we just kept recording for a little while afterwards. Have a listen. I should also point out that I lied a couple of times. <laughs> I, 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 I don't eat sticky toffee pudding. And I stumbled on a few questions. Yeah, so can we bump the score up at all? Let's just add another four. Excellent. So now you've yes. got 15, so you're in the I've lead. Smash the Chippendales. <laughs> Bang! In your face, you weird, waxed weirdos. I couldn't wax, I'm really hairy. Really? Yeah, my, so wife's, take- my wife's taking to, like, not, like, waxing or shaving my back, but kind of mowing it. <laughs> She gets, she gets her clippers and takes it down to grade one so that it doesn't grow back, you know, like I get ingrowing hairs or anything, but it's as short as it can be. <laughs> ingrowing back hair, how very charming. Uh, now, uh, Sarah Millican, you'll be back, won't you, to crown uh, the winner of Millican's Minute on our final show. I think Peter yes. Duncan must be, must be giddy with excitement. Uh, please get along to see Sarah's show if you haven't already. Uh, it's on every night at the Pleasance with some extra ones thrown in too. Thank you very much, Sarah Millican! <laughs> We are just about to speak to a real-life sex reporter, but before we do, we're going to get a bit of stand-up from a very funny man. His show, Schizo, is on nightly at the Pleasance Courtyard. Please welcome Nick Doody. Uh, I am... I shouldn't be up. Uh, I am hungover on a level... It's not, not irresponsibly hungover, hungover because of news. Uh, about a week ago, my girlfriend and I found out that she's uh, pregnant, and uh, it was... Uh, Huge. I mean, I don't know how you would react to that news, but we were just five-day bender. Uh, just champagne and whiskey and, well, the shop's shut, beer. Oh, the shop's open again, champagne. Five days. I am just getting over it. And it didn't even work. We're going to have to get a proper abortion. Um, <laughs> some of the lines I'm going to do are mainly due to a bet between myself and Miles. Um... <laughs> When, when you don't have kids, people who do have kids try to get you to have kids. I don't know if you've found Oh, try, come on, have kids, yeah, give it a go. That's, that's never good, is it? Why not experience the thing I've experienced for no reason I'm going to share with you? It's never good. That's like, smell this. Well, it's not going to smell nice. Uh, just leave it. What they really mean is maybe you're still fancier with droopier tits and a vagina like a punched lasagna. Well, maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. I'm going to leave it. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um... <laughs> I did some gigs in the, the French Alps recently in ski resorts, which that was unusual for me. Have you ever tried skiing? Anyone in the audience? A few, yeah, a murmur. It splits a room that. You either get people who go, well, no, or people who go, yes, like it's a universal experience of all children. You know what I mean? Have you ever tried skiing? <laughs> but of course. <laughs> How did you get to school? <laughs> By bus, you freak. It's quite a posh person's thing to do, skiing. You've got to admit that. Now, I see people don't now. People go, oh, no, no, it's not. There's nothing possible. People of all walks of life go skiing nowadays. No, they fucking don't. And you know that in your heart, right? If you're on a ski slope, somebody swooshes up to you in a big red jumpsuit and a mirrored visor. They are not relaxing after a day down the mines, right? You know that, right? You know there are certain accents you're not going to hear come out of that face. They're not going to spray to a halt, pull up the visor. Oh, they were fucking champion. That was brilliant, right? You're not going to hear that. Never going to hear that. Spray to a halt. Hey, Tracy, check out my fucking ski. It's a middle-classy, upper-classy thing to do. It's not a 
working class sport, not like boxing. Boxing's got that demographic because I think it's bullshit, but there has that idea with boxing that doesn't matter where you're from, maybe if you're good enough at boxing, you can change your life around. No one ever left a broken home by yacht. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you take my point, right? You, you never hear anyone say, well, coxless pears was the only way out of the ghetto for me. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, broken home. That's why boxing makes good movies, man. It does, it's got that drama to it, like Million Dollar Baby or Rocky or Raging Bull. Rocky's the best one. It's got that classic rags to riches story. If you've never seen Rocky, it's a pretty simple story. It's a guy, he's born on the wrong side of the tracks. He's disabled from birth with an accent that no one can understand. <laughs> and, he, and he fights and he trains and he changes his life around, right? You could never have that about a middle-class sport. It just wouldn't work. It doesn't have the drama, you know? I remember the day I reached a fork in the road of my life and I had to choose. Crack or archery. <laughs> and yeah, that day I put down the pipe, picked up the bow, and my story began. <laughs> it was weird. And what I didn't realize about a ski resort is that it's not a real town. I thought, oh, hooray, I'm going to a French village. No, you're not. You're going to an artificial town that the British have built in someone else's country so that we don't have to learn French. It's an amazing attitude. It's so arrogant if you think about that. Oh, yes, I'll use your Alps and I'll use your snow, but I'm not talking to you. And I'm not eating your food with its flavor. I want eggs, I want them fried, and I want them called eggs, not earth. I met a, guy, I met a French guy out there told me he was from told me he was from Val d'Isère, right? Val d'Isère is a ski resort. And I just went, no, you're not. He went, no, no, I'm from Val d'Isère, that's where I'm from. No, you're not. That's not a real town. That's like an English person telling you they're from Alton Towers. <laughs> no. no. That's me, thanks a lot, cheers. Nick Doody! My next guest started his career as the much-publicised Live TV's news bunny uh, before directing Topless Darts and The Weather in Norwegian. Uh, more recently, he presented Sin Cities on Bravo. He's here in Edinburgh revealing all in his show Confessions of a Sex Reporter. Please welcome Ashley Hames. How are you enjoying Edinburgh, Ashley? Yeah, I am. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's all very new for me, and I've never done anything like this before in my life, so it's all strange and a bit, a bit surreal, but I've, I've really enjoyed it. I love... I actually... Oh, oddly enough, I love feeling nervous and a bit like on edge, and and so obviously doing a live show in front of people has, has been a real difference for me. Because obviously, when you're doing television, you kind of do it, and then you retake stuff, and then you never see the finished product. Kind of how people react to that. Mm. Whereas here, you can actually see it in front of you, and you know if you're dying on your ass, or you know yeah. if you're doing well, and you know also because I show little clips of the footage. It's really lovely to see that all that work we've put in kind of paid off and people really enjoy it, or, or not, <laughs> as the case has been on a few occasions, because I do show some fairly risque stuff, and um, I'm not out to shock people. This is, uh, this, uh, actually, this is the thing that I kind of wanted to speak about, was I'm a bit gutted uh, in, in some respects about, about my time in Edinburgh, because my show is, I think people have really misinterpreted my show and they think I'm out to shock and be a lad and, you know... But, but actually, actually, the show is about, is about acceptance and about difference and about uh, tolerance and about otherness. 
And, uh, and I think people sort of thought I was just going to come on and be a Jack the Lad and go, oh, I love knockers and stuff like that. But it's not like that. Is it an analytical in that sort of way then? Do you, well, do I mean, it's not a stand-up comedy. And I didn't come here to, like, you know, necessarily just make people laugh. I think the footage sort of speaks for itself. And some of the footage I show is funny and amusing and all the rest of it. But some of it, yeah, it is quite shocking. We had a whole row of people walk out at one point with 10 minutes within, within the show. And I don't think it was necessarily because of me. I think it was because we were showing a guy who was dressed up as a dressed up as a pig with a weight hanging from his testicles, and he'd had eight pints of lager shoved into his ass, <laughs> and then he he kind of ejected in them. containers or just flee. Uh, they were, no. <laughs> now that would have been impressive. It's the glass that I think would be most shocking in this <laughs> situation. Yeah. It? No, it's like through a through a, a tubing. But um, <laughs> they they left at the point where it got ejected, and I I fully understood that. But the kind of point of my show was to learn why people do those things. Maybe you've just shown them footage of something that they'd rather be doing. Well, <laughs> well yeah, I mean, I, I, do, I do try. Well, you know, hey, we're next door to a well, bar. We could do this. We well, this is, well this, is, this is the thing, you know. It's, uh, actually, I think a lot of people who, who kind of uh, always sort of uh, are the quickest to react against my work are perhaps the people who are, who are quickest to get upset with their wife and with uh, the norms of their day-to-day sex regime and go out and pay a dominatrix 500 quid to stamp on their penis. It's entirely possible. <laughs> it's, it, it's 500 quid? Yeah. <laughs> How much would you do it for? Just ask her. <laughs> I'll do it as well. I'll, I'll happily step on anyone's penis. I'm, I'm not, I have no problem with it. I mean, it's, a, I, it's a good motto to live by. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it's... I think it's... I don't know. I, I've, I've come here to Edinburgh. So this is why I'm... I lo- I've loved it. Don't get me wrong. I've had a brilliant and amazing time. And it's been fantastic. But I've le- I'm leaving Edinburgh in a few days' time. And I think... I came here thinking I was quite sort of mainstream and, and normal. And actually, weirdly enough, I feel like I've become my show and that, actually, I'm a total weirdo and a freak. <laughs> and all the things that I've seen that are massively popular here, I didn't really necessarily find particularly amusing. And the only shows that I've really, really loved have been the ones where there's been about three people in the audience. And I've just been like, fair enough, I'm, I'm just, I'm not of this world. I'm just somewhere else. And that's all right, that's fine. But it's kind of like... I know I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. Ashley Hames! Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Russell Kane is about to join us on the podcast, but first, the show described as a techno treat and funny bone fondling fiesta. Uh, On every night at the Pleasance, please welcome William Andrews. Hello, I'm William. I'm going to do a sketch. Let's hope that goes well. So, um, we'd sat in, watched a bit of telly, like we do most nights. Um, I got up, got about as far as the door, um, when Morag, my wife, who you've not met, let out a sort of a noise. It was a yelp. It wasn't really a word, but it was enough for me to turn around. And that's when it happened. That's when the shit hit the fan. She started shouting, Owen! Owen, the shit's hit the fan. My name's not even Owen. But but in moments of great stress, she'll use the name of her first husband. (laughs) Nothing a headlock can't cure, am I right, guys? So, 
I was about here, she's on the other side of the room, the coffee table's in the middle of the living room, that's where we keep our fan. The fan's there, the shit's come at it, at about 45 degrees. It made one hell of a bang, like someone kicking a box. And so I was here and I reckon 94% of the shit just comes straight off. That's landed about here, but a good 6% of the shit has remained on the fan. Now 6% is an estimate, but however you break down the numbers, it's more shit than you'd like. That shit then starts to spread itself over the blades and then starts to describe an arc in our living room. Sort of a, sort of a copper spatter o o over, the, over the carpet, up that wall, over the ceiling, down that wall, over our good sofa. And in fact, the only part of the room that wasn't covered in shit was under the coffee table. And I'll be honest, it's part of the room we hardly use. <laughs> she starts shouting at me, turn the fucking thing off, turn the fucking thing off. I, I said, I'm going nowhere near it, you fat bitch, you fucking turn it off. She goes, no pencil dick, it's plugged in behind you. And she was absolutely right. All I had to do was lean down, turn it off at the wall. But by then, the damage is done, you know. One minute you're thinking about going to bed, then you've got to stay up and clean up all this shit. You become obsessed, it's gone in your mouth. You become obsessed, it's gone in your... You curl your lips up like a Labrador. You sort of like, you know, because you, you just do that. But the thing is, is that we got to a couple of bottles of Bombay mix and your, t your tongue searches around your mouth. You discover a lump of mix. You know it's mix. But part of you thinks, is it shit? Yeah, so we did that. In fact, we, we took all night cleaning it up. In fact, that, that white line across the ceiling we used to smoke gave up a couple of years ago. But that's where the nicotine's come off with the shit. <sighs> Of the 6% of that shit, 1% is entirely more random. A couple of weeks later, I was getting a CD out of the tower. I found a lump on Il Devo. <laughs> I found quite a large chunk behind Sam's graduation photograph. I mean, ultimately, we're not sleeping. We're not sleeping because no matter how sure I think I am of where the shit has gone to, we're still no closer finding out where it came from. <laughs> Which, ultimately, is why we're selling. <clears throat> <laughs> so, have you seen much? There's a good school on the corner. Come look at the kitchen. William Andrews. It's time now for a man who has the hair for E4 and the brain for BBC4. Uh, performing in two shows this year, Fakespeare, The Tragical Savings of King Nigel, and his stand-up show, Human Dressage. Please welcome Russell Kane. Hello. Russell, hello, welcome. How I are you? I should compliment you on your scrotum or something, Ashley. Thank, Thank you very much. much. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I haven't seen yours yet, but I'm sure they're spectacular. What a... <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird, because I've never done two shows before, because I didn't think I'd be able to handle it. And you sort of... Uh, it's less tiring than doing one show, because you take better care of yourself. You drink less, you go to bed, normal time. and Yeah, it's really weird. I've become actually quite boring, this Edinburgh. I only got drunk once. Did anything happen? No, because uh, immediately you get that guilt that you know, I've got. To, I'm on stage in, in so many hours. If you're doing a show at two in the afternoon, and it's, you look down at your watch at two a.m., you're like, in twelve hours, I'm going to be going, I pretty, and you're like, you just get a panic attack and run home to practice your iambic pentameter. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if my breath was off the next day. Oh my god. <laughs> and you, because last year you did uh, two or three shows of Shakespeare. 
Yeah, I just did a, I just did three, a three-day run just to test this linguistic idea I've had. That imagine if, ever, if rather than Shakespeare rewritten, because there's loads of that up here, there's loads of Tempest in a teacup, or, oh, look, it's Othello in hip-hop. I've got my first. Let's ironise it. There's loads of that. And, uh, <laughs> come on, Ollie, come on, Monty. Let's play with the language. There's loads of... <laughs> Well, there wasn't any, unless you're going to count Burkhoff's uh, fashionable swearing of the early 90s. There isn't any, any, not much of us rewritten, as it were. Our modern, transient, ridiculous uh, narratives, the filthy stories, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to jest at you, but then, but then told, in, but told in blank verse. Can we apply iambic pentameter to one of our modern stories? Turns out it's so difficult, I nearly had a nervous breakdown, but I pulled it off. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I did. It was, it was good fun for someone that sort of loves languages and a little bit Asperger's. It was a pleasure for three months to count syllables. <laughs> I enjoyed it a bit too much. Ten syllables, correct number of syllables. How many matchsticks? Don't ask. <laughs> And you've been doing the show throughout the year. You did it. You did it at Stratford. The last one. I literally. We just did two days under the radar. No journalists uh, came. Nothing at all. And yet it ended up on, on the main stage at Stratford upon Avon. I couldn't believe it. I mean, that's one of my you know ten things to do before you die list. One of them was to perform a paid set at the Comedy Store. Another one was to do an Edinburgh show. And then I thought one day wouldn't it be great just to be or somewhere like the RSC or the National and to actually be imploring six, seven hundred people. And it happened. They let me do my own material for one night in the main house of Royal Shakespeare Cup. Can you imagine the amount of emodium I got through? Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was pretty, it was, it was David Tennant's, it was Hamlet's night off. So we went on that set. We had an hour to do what they call the get-in, which is where you sort of make yourself familiar with that, the dimensions. And uh, 600 people turned up, mostly people over 50 or 60. And they were just brilliant audience, filthy bunch of <laughs> cod liver oil. <laughs> Old people just like, go on, make it ruder. I mean, I, I, the climax of the play, I don't know if I'll be able to say this, is where I get murdered by my friend with a Bacardi Breezer bottle. And then um, I'm just on stage, kneeling in the middle of the stage, going, I am bummed, I am bummed. In the middle of the RSC. Can you imagine what that feels like <laughs> to a potty-minded Marxist? <laughs> but it's been a, a remarkably busy year for you. You've been uh, touring in Australia? Yeah, that was just really... I was there with Sarah, actually. Oh, Sarah's brilliant. She's also got Millikan's Maxim, which sorts my head out every day. Which is if you have a bad day, you're only allowed to let it affect you till 11am and then you have to put it down. So I live by that. Sarah gave me that. Millikan's Maxim. Mil oh, like, oh, Maxim. Maxim, ah, right. yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, I was getting slightly confused by what that might... I thought it might be a potion that you brewed. Or no. <laughs> We went hunting for a bowl of chips one night. Do you, do you remember? Oh, we did. Um, Hard to catch. Yeah, there was, um, it, no, we went into an Italian restaurant and um, one of the starters uh, was bowl of chips. <laughs> so I ordered it, but I pretended I didn't know how to pronounce it. We were going, is it a bowl of a chips? Are we something <laughs> Yeah, but Australia's great. They're so much more chilled than us. Not that British audiences aren't great. I mean, that's why I think performers that train here, as it were, are stronger. Because our audiences are laugh, 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 reset, prove yourself again, Jester. Laugh, 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 reset, prove yourself again, Jester. And in those spaces where you prove yourself again, it becomes a stronger con. Whereas in Australia, it's like, that's right, mate, go on, just keep going. Look, it is a mic stand. I can't believe you pointed it out. It's so postmodern. And it's just, it's just brilliant. But after 11 weeks, I needed to get back to the questioning apathy of a British audience. Hi, guys. <laughs> 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 Good afternoon. Uh, and your show, your stand-up show, is called Human Dressage. Yeah, yeah, that's just uh, that is just amazing. I know I'm so lucky. The good thing is about starting life a little bit chavvy and then waiting, 
until you're in your late 20s, till you start comedy, is you never, ever, ever take it for granted. Every day the alarm goes off at 11 or midday, I think, oh, I'm just so lucky. I never lose that. And this year it's just amazing. I'm in the cabaret bar, prancing around and trying, making people laugh for a living. What a lucky git. That's also, also I, think there's, I think there's a good lesson there, is I think a lot of people do... I mean, I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I'm just on behalf of, kind of what I've seen and what I've heard from people. Because a lot of people maybe do stand, uh, do stand up a little bit too early in life, and, and they can all be written off, you see. You started a bit later. Yeah, it's worth And you kind of also, you know, it's about life experiences. You know, you, you don't really have all that life experience when you're sort of 20, 21, I don't think. To be able to have that credibility, to, to be able to convince an audience that you believe in what you're, you're saying. Yeah, you I think that's... I, mean? that I, I was uh, 20 when I started. I was a first-year theology undergraduate, yeah. so quite... <laughs> You know what did I? You know what the hell did I think I was doing? Quite yeah. frankly, you know, I'm glad I started it that young because I was still, you know, I still had that sort of youthful arrogance. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have I'd the balls to, now. Your first set must have been awesome. You know, when, you, know when, you know when you misconjugate a Latin verb. What's that all about? <laughs> I'm going to get killed now. Everyone hide. <laughs> He's licking me. It'd be like it? flicking a speck of dust from a, well, a barboard jacket. Yeah. Get away from me, Kane. <laughs> You're right. I can. I can lash out. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, uh, what age were you when you started? Uh, Twenty-nine. Twenty-nine. You it's had a good age. So, so, um, it's what I. What, uh, what? Gosh, what are you now? Thirty-four. Are you? Gosh. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, go- <laughs> gosh, I'm old. Or gosh, you thought I was much younger. I thought you were about. 17? <laughs> is that why you fancied us? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, you've made two assumptions there. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> Let's all get dressed up as Agamemnon. Stop putting it off, Miles. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm worried about your, your, your health as well, Russell. You've been, you, oh, you have been working too hard, haven't you, this year? What, what, yep. What have you done? Everyone's like, oh, don't take on two shows, you won't be able to do it, because it's quite a high-energy stand-up act I've gone and made for myself, and everyone was like, oh, you won't be able to do it on my management. I went, I'll be fine, as long as I pace myself. But the mistake I made was, I had to, when you've got to rehearse a play and get it all done in a week, especially if it's verse and iambic pentameter, it's really intense. And I was still doing previews of stand-up in the evening. That was the mistake I made. Finish rehearsal at 7, drive somewhere bloody insane, like Newcastle, get on stage at 11. <laughs> Seriously, you'll do, those, you'll do the same drives. I mean, the length of drive, not the place itself. We're not all rocking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the drive, the, the distance. And you, you, it, it, you do it, though, don't you, sir? You drive four hours there, yeah. 20 minutes, four hours. And, and I got back one night after a git, and the audience will be able to see there is a whole section of hair missing. I was eating my, uh, I was eating my dinner, and I stood up, and uh, it was a Chinese takeaway. You know, look, normally if you get a head rush, you can sort of sort yourself out. And I just missed the table. It was a low cop. I'm very young to have my first fall, aren't I? <laughs> He's had a fall. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, I missed the coffee table because it was so low. I went. I was semi passed out, but I was conscious when I hit that place. So I didn't faint, all right? And uh, and I and I, what I did was I nutted my the Chinese takeaway, and where I headbutted the ceramic plate, it's like glass, isn't it? If it breaks, and it cut through, my, my, obviously cut my head open, but it cut my hair off as well. <laughs> Look at that! Look, it's gone. That's that's a tragedy. And uh, and uh, and and Sadie, my fiance, we we were panicking because the blood from uh, head wounds, um, it looks worse than it is. I mean, it, in the end, it wasn't that bad, but the blood was coming out. And Sadie's like, "Oh my God, we're getting an ambulance!" And there was bits of white. I thought I'd cracked my skull because I was going, "My skull, it's bits of skull." And then, <laughs> and then it was soft. I was going, "It's flesh, it's head flesh." And uh, and then do you know what it was? It was rice. It was rice. <laughs> and now, where you panic, you think your brain, like Chow Mein, was brain coming out or something. <laughs> 
and it was, you know, it's four hours. It looked terrible. I was, te you know, I'd Edinburgh in three, uh, three or four days, and I thought, that's it. I've, I've buggered it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go. I've cracked. And they're like, right, we need to shave your hair. Just stitch it. I was like, please, no, please. I need the day free runs. And I, <laughs> not there. And uh, uh, but they, in the end, they're like, if you don't have stitches, we're gonna have to glue the cut. But of course, if you glue it, you have to leave everything as horrific as the moment you did it to let it, the goo set, as it were. And I had a sold-out show in London the next night, so I couldn't go on with the sort of Princess Leia crust of injury <laughs> at the side of my head. So I couldn't. I had to cancel a sold-out show, which I've never done. I mean, I've gone on with food poisoning, everything, and a hundred people sold out for a preview. You just don't get a privilege like that. But I couldn't do it because if you start sweating, obviously, <laughs> I'd look like the final scene of Carrie with the blood coming <laughs> so yeah it was, it was it was terrifying because you sometimes you think oh you know, we, you know i don't get tired i'm mr funny i'm fine and then you, re you suddenly realize god i'm just i can totally overdo it and, and i thought right no not too much booze for me in edinburgh yeah do you know what though i applaud you for putting a takeaway on uh, on proper crockery yeah um, <laughs> 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 thank you that's the, that's the price we pay for manners, it's worth it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. Russell Kane. Thank you to all of my guests today. Sarah Millican, Ashley Hames, Nick Doody, William Andrews, Marcus Brigstock, and you. Uh, we're going to end today with some fantastic stand-up from a man performing his show, a man of very little mystery, every afternoon right here in the Gilded Balloon. Please welcome Jarlath Regan. My name is uh, Jarlath Regan. I haven't obviously worked as a stand-up all my life. Uh, for the past seven years, I uh, was working as the IT help desk for my parents. Uh, so, some other people in, in this role. Yeah, I never applied for the job. I never submitted a CV. I never saw the ad go up on the fridge. Uh, but as far as my parents were concerned, I was waiting by the phone with a headset on, ready to deal with whatever bullshit queries they had about anything plugged in in our house. And it usually was the video cassette recorder. And these, these yeah, this, this thing blows their minds. And it, these calls would go on for 45 minutes and would come at any hour of the day or night. I'll give you an abridged version of the kind of rubbish I was dealing with when my father would ring me uh, to ask about the video cassette recorder. This is me on my end of the phone, any hour of the day or night, my dad calling me about the video cassette recorder. <laughs> yeah, 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 got that. But dad, da, dad, da, 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 okay, yeah, j, da, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, uh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, okay, just check for me, check for me, check for me that it's turned on. I'm not actually being like anything. I'm not being like anything. I, uh, I, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying that that's happened in the past. Oh, okay, okay, well if it's turned on, if it's turned on, press zero. Zero, zero. And the TV remote control. It's the smaller of the two. There's not a lot in it, there's not a lot in it, but it is the smaller uh, of the two remote controls currently in our house. Zero, Dad, zero, come on, come on. It's underneath the number eight. I don't know why they put it there. I don't know why they put it there. That's the tip of the iceberg. That is the tip of the iceberg. Those calls annoyed me for many, many years until the day my father sent me the first photo message he'd ever sent in his entire life. At that moment, I realized I had no right to get angry at this man for asking me questions about the modern world. He sent me the first photo message he'd ever sent. He had never sent a text before. So when my phone buzzed and it said, photo message from dad, my first reaction was, oh shit. My dad's phone has been stolen. Because there's no way. What he had sent me, there was a way, what he had sent me was the most adorable photo message that had ever been sent in the history of the world. What he had sent me was a photo of a whiteboard with some writing on it that read, haven't quite figured out how to text on this phone just yet. <laughs> OK, 
Okay, that's uh, the other job I used to work in was uh, I used to work in graphic design. Before I was a comedian, I worked in graphic design. My job there was to sell the junk the company produced, which, uh, as it turned out, was one of the reasons why they let me go. It's one of the I was referring to the products as some junk the company produced. The uh, other reason was these bad boys here. These are uh, the greeting cards uh, that I that I make uh, that I started to produce. They're basically greeting cards for situations that modern greeting card companies aren't currently catering for. And the audience here can obviously see what I'm holding up now. Uh, but it is, in effect, the first Will You Marry Me card ever available in the world. And that, that surprised me as much as I'm sure it surprised you. There are no Will You Marry Me cards available in the world today. And there isn't a woman in this room who wouldn't like to be proposed to through the means of a 250 piece of cardboard. Uh, so this one just reads on the outside, Will You Marry Me? On the inside it reads, Only mess and I think we should see other people. Is, uh, no, if she, if she can't take a joke, she's not the one. Uh, this is uh, the first uh, Stalker Valentine's card there. Uh, you can see the stalker in the bushes with his binoculars. And on the outside of the card, it reads, We have so much in common. You like the Beatles. I like the Beatles. I have a large knife collection. You're going to die. Just, uh... This one's quite a niche market, and uh, it hasn't actually sold too many, uh, surprisingly. It says, Child abduction is never funny. And on... And on the inside it reads, except when it's a practical joke, your child can be found at, and there's a space where you can fill in the address there. That's quite nice. This one's uh, part of the Christmas range. It's the old classic. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. And there's the child with mistletoe and Santa Claus. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. On the inside it reads, and then he appeared to pee in her mouth. Um... Uh, this is uh, the only get well, card, get well Soon card in the range. Uh, uh, I'm sure we all have somebody who, who we know needs to receive this card. It says, I heard you were complaining about feeling unwell, so I got you these pills. They're called Extra Strength Shut the Fuck Up Tablets. <laughs> this is the Father's Day card. It's obviously only for one particular family. It says, you're the best dad ever. But what would I know? I grew up in a cellar. <laughs> so we got him. We got him. It's okay. Uh, and this, believe it or not, these cards do exist. Uh, they do exist. I sell them through my website, jigzer.com, and they're actually coming out in a book called How to Break Bad News this September, published by Random House. Wink. Uh, this, is, um, the, this is the best-selling Christmas card of the range. There's a gentleman in bed asleep. It says, if you're dreaming of a white Christmas, you're like me, a racist. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Have a lovely afternoon. Jonathan Regan! The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009.